Welcome to Mulready Minutes with Oklahoma Insurance Commissioner Glenn Mulready. This is a podcast about insurance for insurance folks, risk managers, and business leaders. We'll dive deep and look at what is and isn't working, talk to leaders in the industry, and keep you informed on what's happening in Oklahoma and around the country. Hi, welcome to another Mulready Minute. Uh, we are blessed today to have with us uh, not only a professional in our industry, but a good friend uh, and former chief of staff of mine, my first chief of staff when I came into office in January of 2019. So, um, Tyler, good to have you with us this Thank morning. You. Good to be here, Commissioner. Yeah. Always good to be with you. Let me quickly read, uh, I'm going to read Tyler's bio so everyone uh, that's not familiar with him knows who Tyler is. Tyler Laughlin is regional vice president and state relations at the American Council of Life Insurers, otherwise known as ACLI. Before joining ACLI in 2019, he served as Chief of Staff and First Deputy Commissioner for the Oklahoma Insurance Department. That was for me before he bolted on me. But Tyler is responsible <laughs> for state legislative and regulatory affairs in Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Texas, and serves as ACLI's lead for the Republican Attorney General's Association. So good to have right. you, Tyler. Um, tell us, though, that's just kind of interesting at the end, that that part, Republican Attorneys General Association. Tell me about that relationship, what you do with that. Yeah, so um, I, I'm i the liaison for ACLI to the Republican AGs. Um, given my background with former Oklahoma Attorney General here in the state of Oklahoma, it was a natural fit. So I go to a lot of the Republican AG Association meetings and interact with them and just try to get to know them. Uh, they have an important role in what uh, we do, and obviously the lives of everybody across the country, uh, as, do, as do you. And um, so it's an important relationship that we want to maintain, and we've been really fostering that over the last several years since I've been there. Good. Yeah, and I guess that is a little tidbit of missing information that I didn't read in the bio, but was prior to the insurance department, you were at the attorney general's office here in Oklahoma. Yeah, I was. And um, yeah, just a little bit about me. Um, I've worked for, I guess now, three statewide elected officials, one congressman here in Oklahoma. And um, the thing I love about working for elected officials and public service is that we get to wear the white hat. And we work for good people. You know, that's what drew me to politics and getting involved in this public policy space from the very beginning is getting to work with people that care about others. You know, and you're you are no exception. You're right there at the top. Um, I mean that. And Do when we you need say a disclaimer right here, no, no, no. <laughs> when when you say it's blessed to be here, I, it's right back at you. And um, really consider you a friend. And it's been a, a joy to get to work with you and be in this business of public service. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, tell us as as much as you're comfortable with a little bit about yourself personally, though. Just yeah. Little, we've rattled off the uh, business career side sure no yeah uh so i've i'm married to amanda uh my wife that's the most important thing in my life right now we've been married we're going to be married in, in for 15 years in june um and i've got three beautiful little kids two little girls amelia and evelyn ages nine and seven and then i've got henry uh age three and we just have bringing up the rear we <laughs> just have a blast yeah it's they're they're a lot of fun to to play with and work with so that those two things my wife my kids most important thing in my life right now um, so that's a little bit about me and then I, you know I've been in the public service space since 2008 um, I got into it actually on accident um, I graduated with a degree in finance from OU thinking I wanted to get into finance is that the school in Norman is that where that it's one is? the University of Oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make that clear uh, and 
in 2008, you remember the, the banking crisis happened, and I was going into these commercial banking classes that I had as a senior, and uh, week after week, my professor was saying, well, J.P. Morgan wrote off $1 billion here, and uh, you know, Goldman Sachs wrote off another billion, and the jobs disappeared. Mm. And so what was left was uh, a friend of mine that had some contacts in politics. I reached out to them and got involved, and it was really a uh, match made in heaven. I mean, it, it, it's a people business, first and foremost, and that's what I love about it is getting to love on people and meet their needs. And that's, that was the really uh, part, I guess, the part that brought me the most joy working in public service and with you. Yeah. Um, and I assume that at that time, your dad was probably like I am right now with my son about to graduate. Like, that's great. You've done really well. Yeah, You've worked hard. But now <laughs> get <laughs> now a job. Gonna right. That's going to pay you. That's right. Well, let's um, go into ACLI a little bit here. Um, American yeah. Council of Life Insurers. Tell us about that organization that you work for. Now. Yeah. So I transitioned from the uh, Oklahoma Insurance Department to ACLI. And from my perspective, we get to wear the white hat still. You know, we represent 280 life insurance companies across the country. I think there's about 747 life insurers in the U.S. We represent 280 of them. And of those 280, it represents about 95% of the industry assets. Um, so the, the industry as a whole is represented by us. Um, and if you think about the amount of insurance, life insurance, that's actually in force across the country, through our members, it's about $20.4 trillion wow. in life insurance that's placed across the country, that, that's in force. Um, and, you know, w we get to invest that money back into the communities. We as a, an association through our members have invested $7.4 trillion of those monies back into the economy across the country. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a a big organization with companies that really meet the needs of the consumers. And uh, just to put this in perspective, of those 280 companies, we represent 90 million Americans, right? So that's that's a huge amount of the, the U.S. population. And then when I say we get to wear the white hat, we're meeting those needs in times of stress. You know, most people need our products mm -hmm. whenever it's very, very <coughs> difficult. And we get to go there and meet those needs. So. Those relationships, the people business that I started in, that I love about politics and public policy, we still get to do that with insurance. It's very much a people person business. Yeah, a lot. You know, a lot of people may not know this, but I started in the life insurance business. I do. Quite some time ago, um, you might have been about two years old, but uh, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but it was with a large, I'm sure, a member of your organization in their Cape Cod office. Yeah. And uh, back in those early days. Um, really over my span, some of the most gratifying moments were, and especially back when you were literally hand delivering uh, yeah. death benefit checks. Right. And so, you know, to bring a, a death benefit check to a widow was just a very rewarding and emotional um, a moment that I don't know that has been matched as I've gone through the rest of my insurance career here over these years. So, wow, that's, that's great an service. impactful statement. Yeah. Um, so the, you've mentioned the number of companies and the, and the, and the volume marketplace in the U.S., how, how has that evolved or what, what, what have we seen change as well since X number of years ago when I entered the business versus 10 years ago versus now? How's the life insurance business evolved? Yeah, so, um, you know, COVID had a lot to do with the evolution that's, that's happened. And I think in a lot of good ways, you know, you guys have seen it from a regulatory standpoint, the evolution 
we have seen it on the business side and and really it's been I think beneficial because we're able to reach more people and meet those needs and something that's unique about life insurance that most people don't think about when they're purchasing insurance is it's voluntary like you don't have to go buy it you do have to go buy certain PNC insurance you know mm-hmm. work comp if, if you got a loan on your home you got to go buy that there's a requirement to purchase that life insurance is voluntary and so we we are there to truly meet the needs of people that want to have a solution in their family for the financial needs that they've got. And, you know, most people on average are about $200,000 underinsured in their financial needs. And so the pandemic presented an interesting opportunity for us to reach more people through uh, mobile access, through online applications, mobile applications, um, and you know, COVID drove that growth. We're seeing incredible growth. We saw uh, $201.4 billion in premium written in 2021. It's one of the largest increases that we've ever seen. You look back to 2020, and there was about $90 billion in life insurance payments during the pandemic. It's the largest increase- Paid in, out to beneficiaries. Yeah, right. paid out to beneficiaries. It's the largest single increase since the influenza of 1918. So put that in perspective. That was before I entered the insurance business. Well, I wasn't going to go there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So then that's the life side. But then we also serve an important role in the annuity side. You know, that is a a component of retirement is the annuity. For those that don't know what an annuity is, you think of it as like a pension. Uh, It's it's the private market's one-stop shop for a pension. That's the easiest way I've been able to explain it, a steady stream of income. And in 2020, we saw the largest increase in payouts on annuity benefits, $91.6 billion. So, you know, it's it's an impactful industry. Uh, we pay out $2.4 billion a day on average as an industry to all Americans, second only to the Social Security Administration, wow. $2.4 billion. So, you know, it, it's an important need that we're serving. And as we go to meet those needs, even during the pandemic, you think about traditional life insurance. When you went to apply for life insurance, those applicants that you wrote many years ago were waiting on average 45 days for traditional underwriting to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Will will they insure me for the things that I have told them that I've got? Heart disease, um, diabetes, you name it, um, certain medications I'm on the insurance company's making a determination because unlike property and casualty, unlike health insurance, our commitment is for 30 to 40 to maybe even 50 years. So we, we've got to spend a lot of time figuring out, okay, do we want to take on this risk and reserve for it for the next 50 years? Mm-hmm. And it took 45 days on average before the pandemic. The pandemic's really sped that up. I mean, we, we now, don't have to go into people's homes. As you remember during the pandemic, people were restricted from going into the homes and collecting specimen, blood and urine samples. Um, so, so you had this pent up demand during a pandemic and that's what happens when people get nervous about their financial security, they go seek to fill that void and they did that during the <clears throat> pandemic. But if you can't go collect blood and urine samples in people's homes, how do you, how do you meet that need? Mm-hmm. So we had all this demand coming in and guess what? The insurers were there to meet the needs, to innovate, to use accelerated underwriting, to arrive at those underwriting determinations without the blood and urine samples using other factors. And so it was really remarkable. And that's why you see the you know, 3% sales 
increase for just life insurance in the pandemic and like 10% year over year since the pandemic. It's just been remarkable. So um, I would think that, um, you know, a driver of that just with the pandemic, of course, on one hand, you mentioned $90 billion um, paid out in benefits. On the other hand, increased sales, but I I would guess that in a pandemic, there's there's a more realization of mortality for folks, and therefore that drives some of that behavior that I need to get some life insurance in place. Did you yeah. guys see that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's what what a lot of folks did is they evaluated, okay, how's this pandemic gonna affect me? But more importantly, how's it gonna affect my family mm-hmm. if, if I perish? And those folks spent that time in a meaningful way to get their financial affairs in order. Um, and I love what you're about. You know, Mulready says get ready. Um, it, it was a catchy phrase before the election, and it, it has served a very practical purpose. And it does here, too, because, you know, something that we stress all the time is to do a financial stress test every year. Um, you know, we have financial or, I guess, life insurance awareness month in September and that's a good time for you to look at what are my financial needs. People did that in the pandemic because they were forced to. And it was that sort of nervous reality of how am I going to take care of my family if something happens to me? But we encourage you to do that every year. You know, is it is it when you're going to go get a physical? Is it when your homeowner's insurance renews? renews? But you need to get ready. You need to get ready for not just your uh, property and your casualty and all that, but your financial house needs to be in order too. And if you've got a $200,000 insurance coverage gap, maybe you need to look at that once a year to figure out, okay, how can I, how can I provide that protection to my family? Because $200,000, it's a lot of money. It can put a kid through college or a couple kids through college. It could be the difference between, between them going to school and them going to work at 18. And, um, or you living a, a, very comfortable retirement and and maybe not mm-hmm. so um yes yeah, it, it certainly was a reality during the pandemic for people to look at that you brought it up so this may be a good time for me to admit our, our, the slogan and the use of my name <laughs> really the root <laughs> of that goes back to my son sam who graduates from college tomorrow oh my gosh and uh not i think possible. he was in seventh grade and he was running for vice president of his class and he had this slogan that was don't just get ready get mole ready so yeah from that we've kind of spun off on that and he thinks i own royalties yeah but, i was about uh, to say he needs to <laughs> trademark that and charge you <laughs> As we're kind of closing out a little bit, Todd, some maybe top three things someone should consider when buying life insurance. I assume that maybe you guys first is to get with an agent or a yeah. financial services person, whoever you trust that you're doing business with. But what else do they consider? Yeah. So, you know, you need to consider the needs of your family and the agent certainly can help you walk through that. Um, but your family comes first and the needs of what you have financially comes first as well. Um, that's the first thing, consider your own needs, talk to your agent. Uh, the second thing is I think you need to understand what company you're going into business with. You know, they're doing a look at you for their underwriting risks. You need to look at them, get to know them. How are they going to pay claims? Are they responsive? Are they uh, paying claims in a timely way? And so there's some responsibility on the customer side to, to understand the company that they're about to buy a policy from. And so, um, you know, that's the second thing I would encourage folks to do is get to know your company. It, it It's not that hard. I mean, you, there's plenty of information out there. There's agents out there that you can talk to. 
Um, and certainly you can call the department, I'm sure, um, to, to, to find out more about companies. And then the third thing I would say is um, read your policy, understand your policy. Because we want well-informed consumers just as much as the insurance commissioner wants well-informed consumers. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want there to be any adver adversarial relationship down the road when claims need to be paid, when tensions are high. We want everything to be smooth. Whatever, we want all that stuff to be ironed out before you actually need our policy. And so understand your policy. If you don't understand it, call us, call your agent call the insurance department. That's what they're there for. And I think if you have an informed consumer that understands their policy, is comfortable with the company that they're dealing with, it makes so much, it makes the relationship with the commissioner, the company, and the consumer that much better. And I think that's ultimately what we're going for. You're going for it. Yeah. We all we all want the consumer to be happy because I think the consumer is, that's why we're here. Again, it's a people business. Yeah. And that's why you've got your job and the people, the wonderful people at the insurance department, they're all looking out for the consumer. That's what we want. We want a very happy and informed consumer as well. Yeah, so I think, so the ultimate goal is to meet a need and to create some financial peace absolutely. for folks. Of course, over my years, I've had um, lots of folk, uh, folks ask me, how much life insurance do I need? Yeah. L like, oh, you're 35 years old, you need X amount. Like th that is not, and so I'll throw back at them lots of questions. Well, how much of a mortgage do you have? Right. I mean, how, how many kids do you have? What, what is your intention on um, paying for college for those kids? I mean, my sons are now all 18 and over. Right. Their dependent years are just about gone, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the mortgage is not what it was 10, 15 years ago, too. What, what's out yeah. on that? So th those needs change as you go along. So those are, it's a very individualized amount and decision. So in, in finality, um, um, I want to talk about our life insurance as we close out, mm -hmm. uh, life insurance policy locator. Mm -hmm. And um, that involves you guys, but it's something we, we have here at the insurance department too, something critical that folks need to know about. I always like to paint the picture. Mom or dad passes away. Kids are talking. Well, dad, I thought he had a policy. He talked about that one day. And, you know, in the old days, you'd just rifle through some file folders and look for it and hopefully find something. Um, or, you know, you also have lots of things that happen. Yesterday I spent a day in a flooded community where I guarantee you lots of documents are lost. Mm -hmm. And so folks either found it or didn't in years past. But we now have a tool that you're familiar with, but basically yeah. folks can go to our website, uh, click on the life policy locator. There's a short form to complete. And uh, basically what then happens is they're redirected to the NEIC uh, website but then that communicates out to your members and all other life insurers that do business here. And um, so it, it, it can take up to 90 days to hear back, but uh, we've been able to connect folks with, uh, last I looked, over $13 million that um, they may or may not have received uh, properly. And so, um, and I also like to point out too, because I think folks sometimes question that, when, uh, when there's a lost policy and someone doesn't collect on that, even though someone's passed away, the insurance company just doesn't get to keep that money forever. That's ba right. Basically what happens is when, on paper, when someone turns 100 years old, those dollars, that benefit, that benefit amount is turned over to our state treasurer uh, in the unclaimed property fund. And so it may show up on a list and they may claim on that. Of course, yeah. that may be 20 years after that person passed away, but yeah, a really great tool we have. It really is. And, and that I'm glad you hit on that because it's such an incredible tool and it's something that the life insurance industry supported when it was established we want to make sure that people's needs 
are met and the policies and the pr- promises that we have made to these policyholders are fulfilled. And, um, you know, the other thing that's interesting to note, we don't hold on to that money. For when, we, when there are two triggers, it's limiting age, 99, 100, like you'd mentioned, and knowledge of death. If, if we have knowledge of a death, we have to go look for that individual, and we do, and we will. And if we can't find that individual at limiting age or knowledge of death, those two triggers, it's kicked over to the state treasurer, it's cheated over there, and then you can go to the treasurer and look for that information, that money. So the NEIC has done a great job in partnership with the states, and um, you know we, we are big, big fans of the Life Policy Locator service. And, um, you know, companies change names over time, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, company ABC may turn to XYZ in 20 years and so it's, it's just a great tool and we yeah. encourage everybody to do that I'm when I'm out speaking up. publicly I always make sure I, I mention that because it is just a great tool to try to yeah. connect folks with what with, with what is properly theirs absolutely so. yeah okay Tyler thank you for your time today thank uh, you we've just scratched the surface I guess on yeah. on life insurance but uh, those are some staggering numbers of um, coverage being provided to uh, our citizens and benefits to create um, financial peace. So thanks again. Thank you, Commissioner. Okay, that wraps up our visit with Tyler Laughlin from ACLI and talking about life insurance today. And so we will see you on the next Mulready Minutes. If you found this episode informative, please subscribe and share with your colleagues. Visit oid.ok.gov slash podcast. Let us know what topics you would like to hear about on this podcast. Until next time, take care from the Oklahoma Insurance Department.